right. Welcome to the alumni call. We are so excited to have you on this call. Once again, I'm Lynette Wolf. I'm Brian Wolf. And we're going to be moderating this call today. So we actually wanted to run through, make sure you're on the right call, of course. This call is for students that have been to the Quick Start Real Estate School, okay? You're on the right call if you've been to the Quick Start Real Estate School. That's and, right. And uh, we're super excited to be here for uh, for those of you that don't know us. Uh, we're the Wolf Couple, and we live in Arizona. And um, we had the uh, the super honor of uh, meeting Ron the Grand about 14 years ago. And we've been teaching alongside with Ron the Grand for the past 12 years. And you all saw us at the Quick Start Real Estate School. And um, right, that's why I was wondering why you said, for those of you who don't know us, I think, uh, <laughs> pretty much all of you guys should be aware of who we are. And you guys know we're out there trying to, you know, do everything we can to get you trained up to get out there and start making money. The whole point, uh, remember, and after you have left the quick start, and I can tell you right now if you've had success or not based on one number. And you know what that number is? How many leads did you get last week? Okay, I mean, not always within a week, but maybe we'll extend it out to a month. But it really comes down to that. I always talk about this at the quick start, that two factors necessary for success in this is consistent lead flow, timely closing calls. So if you're getting the leads in and you're calling them when they come in uh, and you're doing it how we teach, uh, your success is just a matter of time. Uh, and that's, but how many leads do we want you to get per month? Do you guys remember that one? 20 minimum, 20 minimum. So if you haven't got a deal yet since you got out of Quick Start, look how many leads you've been getting, and that's, that's usually what it boils down to. Now, I'm, sometimes uh, there's other factors involved, and you'll get a lot of leads, but somehow maybe they're not getting worked right. That's why I say that consistent closing calls. And here's the other big, huge part of this that I don't talk about as much is follow-up. So let's look at all, all three of those components going forward, guys. Are you getting enough leads? So consistent lead flow, 20-plus per month. Then are you making your closing calls? I, my little saying is never let the sun go down on a good lead. So if, are you making your closing calls at least, you know, uh, if not right when they come in, you know, within that day or within 24 hours for sure? Are you getting a hold of these people, especially those yeses? I mean, if they said yes, uh, that's a hot lead, and, you know, the sooner you get back to it. And then the third component, even if you talk to people, I am telling you, you will get another 50% more deals or more maybe with follow-up if you get your follow-up down right. And that's, you know, you talk to them, and, and maybe this is the first time they ever really heard about owner financing or lease purchase, and they didn't really understand it that well. And you explained it okay, but are, they're not ready to, like, make a big commitment and have you come to the house. And maybe they're not ready to uh, tell you how long the term is. That's often what you'll run into. Maybe they'll consider doing it, but when you say, well, you know, how, what's the longest you can give me, and they just aren't sure about that. So maybe you let that lead drift away a little bit, and if it's not on your follow-up schedule, that could have been a great deal, and they could have been ready to go two weeks later, but guess what? You did not call them. That's right. We get a ton of deals because of our awesome follow-up, and we are going to talk about that a little bit later in the call if we get some time because – um, not every deal is a, a first deal the first time you call them, and we have gotten so many deals because of follow-up. So we definitely want you staying organized 
and automated. Um, now, the way this call works, um, just for those of you that maybe haven't been on it before, um, when you hit star zero, that will put you into the queue, okay? Now, you can ask us questions. Uh, you can also, if you sent in lead sheets, uh, we're going to be going over deal structuring. We're going to be talking about deals and deal structuring. If you sent a lead sheet, awesome. If you did not, we can still talk about the deal. Just the important numbers we'll be asking you to share. And, of course, if you have any questions. So once again, hit star zero. Now, if you hit star zero a second time, it's going to take you out of the queue. So make sure that you only hit it once. And feel free to put yourself in the queue if you have any questions or you want to share anything or you have any deals that you sent in or you just have some leads and some deal structuring you'd like us to help you out with, okay? And uh, one more quick thing as people are getting in the queue, uh, Brian, I did want to mention the, uh, the um, Quick Start Real Estate Alumni Meeting. Make sure you guys are registered for that, the Quick Start School Alumni Meeting. That is awesome because that is for Quick Start uh, registrants only. Once you go to the Quick Start, then you go out in the real world and you start to implement everything, and, and you realize there's little roadblocks here or there or obstacles. It's a smaller crowd. It's only $250, uh, $250 to sign up for the alumni. And um, that's actually August 20, uh, 25th and August 26th. Now, at the same hotel, it's going to be in Jacksonville, Florida, so write that date down, August 25th and August 27th. I'm, I'm sorry, August 25th and 26th. It's awesome. But at that same hotel, we are preceding it with our Taking Action Communication Workshop, and that is on August 23rd and August 24th at the same hotel in Jacksonville, Florida. And that is a free event. For anybody who's been to the Quick Start Real Estate School, you can attend that event for free. So, uh, Brian, did you want to tell me about that briefly? Yeah, that's a great event, guys. Everything is geared towards your success in real estate investing. Um, we do this event for free because Ron actually uh, talked us into it. He knows that so often, uh, guys, it's not the mechanics of real estate investing that is the stumbling block for most people. It's really not that complicated a business. You know, you get on the phone, you read some scripts, you go out to a house, you get some paperwork filled out, you know, and you, and you do some due diligence. And it's really not that complicated. What the stumbling block is, is people have personal obstacles, uh, organization issues, uh, there, fear is a huge stumbling block, and I'll tell you, anytime you try something new, and your, you know, your, your ego is on the line, kind of when you pick up that phone, and it's a little bit scary. And we go over everything that will make you guys confident and successful, not just in uh, real estate, but all areas of life. We even talk about health and that. So, but guys, feel free to come to that. Ron teaches the whole alumni. It's two days. And ours is two days before that, so it's a pretty an unbelievable four days of training for 250 bucks. Again, ours is free if you don't want to go to the alumni. But you should definitely, I mean, if you're going to go down there, go to both things. It's, it's, uh, and everybody in there has already been through the quick start, so you know you get a good level of questions and a, a high level of understanding. And you start talking to people and see what they've done since they left. You see actually a lot of the people that you at so that's extra networking. All right, so let's get to uh so 
are we ready oh, to start? Um, do we have, was it Rashan? Or was this it Ariel? Ariel? Oh, Ariel, Ariel, hi. Do we have anybody in the queue yet? Yes, our first question comes from Mike. Mike, please go ahead. Awesome. Hey, Mike. Hey, Brian, it's Mike Alon from Boston. How are you? We're still oh, here. hello. It's always a pleasure hearing from you, Mike. Thank you. Good to hear from you. So we are minutes uh, uh, just came back from a summer meeting, and we have some a very important questions to ask you. We just literally left their, their, their house. We were at this house. Um, this this uh, owner had a, a house for sale. He actually had a, an offer on it to close, but it failed Title V. That's a septic uh, system uh, check. The town is going to require the a new owner to put in a new septic system. So instead of, of selling the home, he is, his plan is to rent it, and we went down there with the idea that we would at least purchase the house from him. Um, our concern, the, the big question is, you know, how does that factor into a lease purchase scenario where we where we do a sandwich lease option? Oh yeah, I hear him now. Oh, Michael, um, you know what? You actually got cut out there. The operator came in for a second, so I apologize. It was right after you were talking about the new septic tank. Okay, so basically, what you're saying is the the new owner needs to put in a new septic tank. How much is that going to cost? So a new septic system is probably between fifteen and twenty grand. Um, and uh, he's leaving the area. He's 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 packing up in his camper and uh, he and uh, move, moving on. He's on disability, so he has income. Uh, he was looking just to rent the property. Uh, we went down there with the idea that we wanted to at least purchase it. It's pretty. It's a pretty good house. It has some issues per se, it's, it's, but it has a newer kitchen, three bedroom, uh, one and a half bath, and no tub. Uh, and the basement that's a little musty uh, with some... You know, okay, but I mean, it's in. not atypical for the area. It's about the right size, right bedroom, bathroom count. And the condition, obviously, it needs the new sewer. Is any other huge repairs on this thing? And no, actually. Uh, okay, I would say no. So probably 20 is going to do it, right? 20 probably would make this thing, uh, you know, pretty much move-in ready, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect house, but, you know, it, it had a new sewer system. It probably would have been sold. Okay, well, let's so, get to the numbers. That's, yeah, what's the numbers on this? So he, want, he wanted it sold for 270 uh, I think that was the price that they had it with the, with, with the realtor. And uh, when they came in, uh, it wasn't going to pass this uh, Title V septic system. So uh, I guess he was looking just to rent it uh, for the short term and get somebody in there. Um, obviously, we could probably maybe knock that down 20 grand uh, to, to, to buy if we wanted to buy it. But uh, the question is, how do we factor that, factor that into an eventual sale down the road? All right. Well, how does the sewer need to be replaced right away? I mean, could this sewer go for another, you know, a bunch of years without you having to do it, but you turning that over to your end buyer? Yes, that's his opinion that it would last a number of years. He lives there by himself, so um, but uh, he his opinion is that it would be fine. And he didn't have to do it himself because the property was deeded to him from his mother. So okay. All right. Now, what do you think it. the house is worth? I mean, what's ARV on it after repair? Uh, we just got back. Uh, the ARV on the house um, is probably about what two seventy. Two seventy, and he wants two seventy. Oh yeah, that's 
And and he'll only drop twenty to. Well, you have to probably spend twenty in repairs. So yeah, that's it, sounding no, a little wait. bit like a what Ron calls a, a golden. <laughs> well, listen. Here's the thing: is would he be willing to give it to you? Could you get positive cash flow on this property? I mean, what would he give it to you per month at? Yeah, what kind of owner finance? We'll buy a pretty we'll buy a house like this maybe if if he would if we can get no money down and put somebody in there and get it for 250 and sell it maybe for 2 285 maybe with the understanding that the sewer thing is an issue that they're going to have to resolve and not us. And I'd write that very clearly in all the paperwork. So what kind of owner financing will the seller give us at 250? Well, I wasn't. I didn't go after the owner of financing. I, I, he said he would lease purchase, lease purchase it to us. Uh, he didn't uh, indicate that he wanted any type of down payment. He basically gives him the first month's rent, and uh, you know I think we're in. So we. All right. Well, how much rent does he want per month? So he probably wants twenty two fifty. He thinks that he could the house would probably rent for twenty five hundred, or he he could get wow. twenty five hundred. Yeah. That that is a high rent. Uh, what state are you in? Massachusetts, yeah, we're we're twenty two fifty high. So you, but you have high property taxes there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So twenty two hundred and well, maybe you you get twenty five hundred. Not a lot of on, cash flow. Did you look up uh, any rental comps? I mean, did you look up the estimate, what they think it is per month, or anything like that? Rentometer.com. Yep, sure. The rental comps in the area are probably right in there in terms of. Uh, uh, hold on, quickly tell is me. Is that Catherine? Catherine? The rental cost is 190, 160, and 210. 190, 160, and 210. 210. And what about the rental comps, Kathy, quickly? The rental comps were um, 2,000 to 2,200. 2,000 to 2,200. So yeah. we're in there. Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely no cash flow. Yeah, that, you and, know, it, it doesn't right. seem like this is sounding like a real good deal unless you can get that monthly down and the purchase price down. Yeah, if okay. you could, if you could get him to do it for... I don't know. Eighteen. So, has he had somebody in there who's been renting it for two thousand? If you could get it, here, here's the bottom line on this. If you could get it for under two grand, maybe rent it for twenty three hundred or something like that. So you have at least like three hundred positive cash flow, and then uh, you you need a better price on the on it though too, even under two fifty. Uh, okay. And the guy and it's got to be almost like just first month's rent, so nothing down essentially too. Then it's worth pursuing. All right. Well, definitely. Um, thank you, you guys, for calling in, but get that price always... down and the monthly down. Okay, we'll do. Thank you. Awesome. Ariel, do we? Who else is in the queue? We're ready for our okay, next. Okay, our next. Our next question comes from Dustin. Dustin, please go ahead. Hey, Dustin. Hello. Dustin, long time no talk to. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been so long. We just saw Dustin in New Jersey at the Quick Start School. Wasn't that an awesome event? It was absolutely amazing, and you guys were very awesome yourselves. Oh, oh well, you. thank you. We'll send you a present when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so my question um, is I have all of these wonderful leads with LM on top, and I'm just curious, um, you know, you talked about that little bit of anxiety, and following up for me, I would like to kind of know on a lot of these, um, you know, what was already said to the to the buyer or seller, and mm. kind of what's the best way to pick it up from here. You know what I mean? 
Well, yes. well, the best way, now, those leads are originally from Eagle VA, right? These, most of these are, yeah, the ones I brought. Yeah, yeah. So basically LM means left message. So that means uh, it was a message like, hi, uh, my assistant had called and left some inf and got some information. When we say our assistant called, we're looking at the VA's name in the lower left-hand corner. Yes. So all you do is you follow up and say the same thing. My assistant had called, and I was interested in buying your house. So that means we weren't able to get a hold of sellers, which is amazing because they have a house for sale, and you can't get a hold of them. Okay. So when you leave the message, though, I think a lot of times you're the one calling, right, Lynette? So are you? Yeah, me and Brian. So we just say, hi, my assistant had called um, Julie, and uh, we were definitely interested in buying your house. Can you give us a call back? Now, we left our our phone yeah. number that rolls into our cell phone. So we forward a right. special number that we leave that goes yeah. into our cell phone. And um, if we hear back, we let you know, but we haven't heard back or you would be the first one to know. So now that a couple of days have went by, you need to get on the phone and yeah. you need to follow up with these. Right. Okay. okay. And you should and use the closing calls. Now, the, the, are you having problems identifying, you know, what, how to structure these deals, how to approach these? These deals. That's part of my problem because a lot of these are free and clear. It's like the one I had yesterday, where. Uh, but I, hopefully, these are pretty houses and not ones that need to be rehabbed as much. But they all. I, they, are, they are. Some of the notes are saying, um, either I wasn't actively ready to sell, or they just want to see what I want to offer. Okay, or, so those are probably uh, yellow letter leads. Is that right, Dustin? No. You know, it's strange. I've only had one response on my yellow letter campaign. Okay, where did you get these leads that said they weren't thinking of selling then? Well, um, that one probably is the yellow letter. Actually, that, that okay. one that I mentioned. Because that's sorry, usually that's when you get that, that, that it's the yellow letter lead. Um, but usually, depending on your marketing method, most of these people are trying to sell their house. And right. you just, uh, you know, call them. And really, guys, uh, it, it comes down to at least purchase versus owner finance versus subject to. Those are the main three ones. Now, if yeah, can I simplify the ABC box, honey? Sure. Okay. So um, on that uh, property information sheet, if you get a yes on box A, um, then you know automatically you're going to read the subject to getting the D closing call script, okay? Yep. If you get a yes on box B, B as in boy, they said yes, they do lease option, you're going to read the sandwich lease purchase closing call script, okay? Clear. And if you get a yes on box C, is and cat, you're going to read the owner finance closing call script because that's where it goes through exactly um, if they really truly are a good owner finance seller. I mean, obviously, if they said yes to owner financing but they want 50% down, that's like an all cash deal if they want retail and 50% down. Mm -hmm. Now, how you, if these are free and clear, generally, you're, you should first be thinking of an owner finance deal. Generally, if somebody owns the house free and clear, you want to own it if uh, one of two things. Either there's a large amount of equity, they're giving mm -hmm. you good equity. So if it's a $200,000 house and they're willing to give it to you for 170 or less, I mm -hmm. would probably want to own that versus lease purchasing it. Uh, just because if you lease purchase, you're at risk of losing your back-end payday, much more at risk. Now, if you, have high yeah, if you have high transfer taxes in your state, and, you know, lease purchase is the cheapest way to go, for sure. I mean, you can have control a very expensive asset and make a lot of money off of that asset 
for basically yeah, nothing down. I mean, that's truly nothing down, no transfer taxes, no closing costs whatsoever. So other than an attorney fee, which you guys should be closing your lease purchases, even though nothing's notarized, you should be closing these at attorneys, especially if you get a big non-refundable option deposit. Uh, so if you're doing it that way, uh, essentially I always want to own it if there's you know a lot of equity in it. And if you're doing a sandwich lease purchase, no matter how you're owning it, the way to explain it to people is just you're looking for a little bit of time. I, we just need a little bit of time before we uh, need to pay you off in full. It's like a delayed cash out. Now, you have to kind of decide, I'd rather have you pick it. Even if they check box B, if you look at this deal and say, gee, I'd really rather own this than do a sandwich lease purchase. Well, and that's why, remember, we always ask the seller, would you rather lease purchase us your house or let us buy it? Which would you prefer? And a lot of them mm -hmm. would say, yeah, I'd rather sell it. Yeah, well, and, and, just, and just so my, uh, but my, you, you decide in advance because that's how you're going to direct them. Most of these folks, honestly, if you ask them, do you know the difference between owner financing and lease purchase? They wouldn't be able to explain it. So they're really more looking for you to be a good shepherd of them, and that's your responsibility as a human being and as a good salesperson is to shepherd them through this process and make sure that they're happy and they're taken care of. And, uh, you know, a big part of that is helping them make the right decisions along the way. And uh, that's why you kind of need to decide in advance how do you want to buy this house and then you guide them, you know, towards that strategy. But you know what? You can use anything either way on free and clear houses. And sometimes a lease purchase is easier, and they won't ask for any money down. If they start to, if you start getting into owner financing, well, you know, I'm going to buy it with owner financing. The easiest way to explain owner financing to a seller is you're like the bank. Just tell them it's like I, we own the house, and you're like the bank, and we make payments to you like you're the bank. Okay, so, uh, but with owner financing, guys, uh, the easiest, if you do have to work out interest rate, you can go on bankrate.com and just go to the mortgage calculator, plug in, usually 4% is where we start with people if we're going to negotiate some kind of owner financing deal on a free and clear house. We'll just do 30-year amortization schedule, and we'll do, you know, whatever the purchase price is. Now, we don't want to pay anything down, so if it's 200 we want to write 200 and then what the interest rate is, 4%, and then you just hit calculate, and it will give you your monthly payment. So it's kind of easy. It's a little tricky, but once you get the hang of it, it's really easy to come up with what your monthly would be. Uh, and you can just explain it to the seller and show it to them, and this is how it works out. Okay, so, and but Justin, did you have another question about that deal? Well, um one thing that's strange, I'm in Texas, so I can't lease option anyway. And oh, yeah, so you have to buy with owner financing. Now, you can yeah. lease purchase on the exit strategy in Texas. Yes, you should always, pretty much everybody should be lease purchasing as an, as an exit strategy. Okay. Mm -hmm. But is it normal, the VA, or should I tell my VA to, to stop working with question B? Because I'm surprised anyway. Yeah, yeah they actually have a special lead sheet for Texas, which only has two boxes instead of three. So just let your VA know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, make that very clear. And anybody else who's calling from Texas? Make yes, these were great questions. I'm glad that you were able to ask those. All right. Thanks for taking the call. I really uh, appreciate the It was uh, really great seeing you at the event. <laughs> You're welcome. And way to bring in those leads. Great job. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. Ariel, do we have uh, the next person in the queue? Yes, our next question comes from Serge. Serge, please go ahead. Hi, Lynette. This is Serge. Oh, hello, Serge. Hi, 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 Serge.
Marge. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm so yeah. excited for you guys. So what's yeah. going on? Yeah, Irina's listening from work, so she's uh, she's not right here with me. But uh, we're going to look at a house here in about two hours. Just had a couple of questions about it. It's um, the owner agreed to lease purchase. Um, he had renters in it renting it for thousand dollars a month, but the rentometer <clears throat> says seven hundred dollars. Uh, how much would you try to? Um, well, uh, you're you're in uh, Seattle, right? Uh, north of Seattle, about three hours north. Oh, three hours north of Seattle. Okay. So, um, you know, what do you think they would rent for? I mean, is he getting a thousand? Is it crazy that he's getting a thousand? Is it just a fluke, or is there something about that house where it warrants a thousand? I'm not sure. We're going to go look at it. Um, he well, said he's remodeled it. You know, you can't always trust. What did, What did you refer back to on your rental comps? Where, what source? The, the uh, rentometer. Okay. Well, you know, that's not exactly infallible. What I would do if you want to kind of check that in a better way, guys, uh, if you're ever wondering about rent uh, about in certain areas, just go on the Internet, on Craigslist, and look for houses for rent that are right in that area by where your house is and see what they're asking for rent, uh, you know, there. And sometimes you'll see, and generally you're on the higher end of the market. Remember, this isn't even just a straight rental. They get the right to the option of the property along with their rental. So usually we charge a little bit more for that privilege. And so, you know, if you, if you see a bunch of them for rental that are look similar to your house and they're 1,000, then you're probably okay. You're probably going to be able to get maybe like 1100 or something with a lease purchase. But if he's expecting 1000 does this deal work if it's a break-even every month? Um, I mean, he, he wants 189000 and it's uh, worth about 189000 190000 So we are figuring that we could probably put it on the market for maybe 210 Yeah. Is, too high? Is, it, is it in really good – I mean, is it in as good condition, like – no repairs needed? By the sounds of it, yeah, we haven't seen it like we're going to go see it tonight, but he said yeah. he's remodeled it. And and I do want to circle back around to what's the most a lease purchase buyer will pay. And if you put it under contract and you're risking a whole $10, um, you would take it to the marketplace and see what you can get. Now, you're going to have 90 days to take it to the marketplace. And the good news is, number one, you're going to build your buyer's list. Number two, you might even uh, sell the house. So that's why we're saying you definitely want to put it under contract, take it to the marketplace, and see what you can get as far as a lease purchase buyer. Would we advertise the price on Craigslist? Would we? Well, you're going to advertise your purchase price, but never advertise the monthly and never advertise how much you're looking for down. That's right. Okay. That's part of the okay. questions. Now, when people call in for the lease purchase buyers, uh, the, the five questions you're going to ask is, when do you want to move? That's important because when is the property available? Who's, who's going to be living in the home with you? We always ask that to get a sense of their situation. Number three is the most important. What's the most you can put down on your beautiful slash nice new home? If it's kind of a little rough and it's a work for equity, you still say nice new home. But what's the most you can put down on your beautiful new home? Number four is what's the most you can pay per month? And the fifth question is, do you know what your qualifying issues are? Because sometimes that plays in if you don't have a long time uh, with your seller. So those are the basic questions. And if you find, you know, if you get this property, is it vacant right now, Serge? Uh, the renter is moving out in a month. 
in a month. Okay, uh, see how rough it looks. This thing better look pretty good, though. I mean, if you have to put any money into it, probably this isn't going to work. And there's really not much you know, spread on it in terms of monthly. I've got to believe you can find a better deal than this. But yeah, there's probably twenty grand in this deal if you want to work hard. Well, I, I like the fact of you doing a deal, putting it under contract, getting a buyer and collecting a paycheck. You yeah. know, your first deal doesn't have to be a huge deal. I like you going through the process of getting a paycheck. So I would definitely move forward with this deal. But when he says 189 do you know, is oh, there yeah, an underlying mortgage on this property? Is it free and clear or is there a market? It's free and clear. Yeah, it's free and clear. Oh, well, then he'll, he's got flexibility on that 189 It's a free and clear property. Go meet with them, build some rapport, get the price down. And, by the way, I want to give you guys this uh, awesome website. Um, it's called realestateabc.com. So realestateabc.com. It's a free uh, website to get awesome comps. And it's really laid out nicely. It's so user-friendly. That, that's what's good about it is it's very user-friendly. Yeah, they actually list all the comps in a real nice grid pattern where it's easy to track them and see which ones really apply. That was yeah, realestateabc.com. So. Okay, so you, you type in any one of your properties and you get in a sense. But if this person is asking 189 I would definitely here, – here's the thing. When you're getting financing on a property and you're asking them to be flexible on that, you can't be as aggressive on the price, on the purchase price. So I never like to push too hard, but on a deal like this where the margins are so narrow – It's clear. Yeah, I'd really like to see, like, offer 170 or something, unless the guy's just going to drop over at – you know, here's what I want you guys – your general policy on negotiation should be – be as aggressive as you can up to the point where you offend the seller or buyer, okay? You don't want to offend them, and you, if you've built some good rapport, you can always kind of laugh it off when you kind of go too far and you sense, whoops, that was a little too far. Say, no, I was just kidding. Hey, you have to ask, right? You know, ha, ha, ha. But, you know, so building rapport will buy you a little wiggle room in tight negotiations. But I want you guys to be aggressive and on this when you need to be. Absolutely. One more quick question. Uh, he says also when we talked to him on the phone, he says um, um, he's okay with uh, five-year term. But he says, what if my property is going to be worth much more in five years and I put it under contract for 189? Well, well what do you tell him? That you you say, well, uh, our goal is to cash out of the property much sooner than five years anyway. I mean, our goal is to probably cash out. Uh, sometimes people don't really want a long time. When you said five years, what did they – was yeah. he okay oh. generally? Yeah, yeah bottom okay line is that we, we are giving them the luxury. They're selling the house. They know that we're basically um, going to take care of the payments and the maintenance, property taxes, everything. They're not going to have to worry about vacancy. you know. So obviously we're going to try to cash it out sooner than later, but we don't want our backs up against the wall. So we like to put in that five-year mark is what we would tell the seller in response to that. But, yes, some sellers will say yes, and you can't deny that. That's where we make our profit. We make our profit because of the money value of time. We buy time with these sellers, sometimes two years, sometimes three, five, ten, thirty years, and that's where we make our money is because of that time. Sometimes sellers will identify that and ask about it, and uh, you just say, yes, that's part of the offer. That's, that's the way it works. Yes. Yep. Well, go get them. I expect no less than you getting that under contract. Awesome. We will. What, when, we, when do we pay him the $10? Right now when we meet, meet him at the house and he signs the contract? 
Yeah, yeah right away when you uh, sign the paperwork. And there's okay. actually a space on the on the bottom of the contract where they're going to sign that they received the ten bucks. So yeah. okay. Hmm? All right, Serge. Congratulations. Okay. Thanks, guys. Good job. You're welcome. Hey, I wondered, um, is uh, Debbie on the phone? Is Debbie on the phone yet? Is she in the queue? Can you can uh, Ariel pluck people out of the queue, out of order? I'm, I'm here. Oh, Ariel, hi, Debbie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Wonderful. Well, we're so excited for you. We know that uh, that you uh, just recently uh, started the mentoring program with us about four weeks ago, and you already have a property under contract subject to and um, I guess uh, if you can uh, go through the numbers, uh, the mortgage balance, and, and uh, what you uh, put it under contract for, you want to run through those numbers and share it with everybody? The one that I just, the one that I have under contract, not the yes. newest one? Yeah, for 162. Okay, the, yeah, it's the, um, it's the subject two. Put it under contract for 162.7, which is the balance of the loan currently. I paid $10 down. Perfect, uh, just like we told you. Right, right. And uh, we have a two-year term with them. Yep. Um, well, actually, um, with a subject two, you're, you've got the rest of the mortgage. Well, that's true. That's yeah, true. I mean, but you're that's trying true. to exit out in the next couple of years, you right. said. exactly. And what's the ARV on it? The um, after-repaired value is real close to that um, because the market is kind of slow in that neighborhood. Um, that's why they they were going to list it, and um, there's no money there for a realtor. So we could probably, if we sold it, we were you know with no cost, it would probably be about 162 to 165. Right to a cash out buyer, but you're going to put a lease purchase buyer in there and we're ask how much? Probably 170, probably 180, 185. Right, or so we'll call it 179.9, and then I guess the monthly payment PITI. Is sixteen hundred. Obviously, you're going to ask the lease purchase buyer what's the most they can pay every month. But what do you expect you'll get on a monthly? I think we can get eighteen hundred, maybe eighteen fifty if we push it. Perfect. So about two hundred bucks a month positive cash flow. And then um, if you're uh, if you're going to sell for one seventy nine nine, what's the most you can expect? Um, or not the most, what do you, you always say what's the most you can put down, but what can you expect yeah. as far as a non-refundable deposit? Well, I'm hoping for 10. Okay, well, uh, definitely you should be able to get 10 to 15 minimum. Uh, if we didn't get 10, we would, we would make payment uh, before we took less than 10. I know that uh, it's uh, exciting for people to get that first 10 grand um, or their first five grand, but we would wait for at least ten grand. And you did a great job, if I remember right, on this one, Debbie. Uh, the seller is making the next three payments. Is that right? While we're getting the buyer. Yep, they're still in it, so they're making their. Uh, as soon as they move out, they're going to make the one that that they, you know, like if it's the end of this month, they'll make April's and then two more payments. And then two more after that. Okay. Correct. Perfect. Hey, well, good job. That is great. Hey, um, can they show it? Uh, would they have, have you asked them if it, they would show it while they're in there? I haven't asked them, but they probably will. They were, they're were a very nice couple. Okay. And uh, sometimes, guys, houses show better when people are in them, if, especially if they have nice furniture and they've got it fixed up nicely. That's one of the little yeah. key tricks of pretty house, uh, of the pretty house business is if you get somebody who's, are, who's living in the property, if it's not a vacant house, 
which, you know, you usually run into them. You know, they're more often occupied in the pretty house world than they are vacant. In the ugly house, it's just the opposite. But in pretty houses, if the people are real friendly and nice and have nice furniture and keep the place nice, and they're okay with you bringing people by. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. Do not just send people over. Even though sometimes Ron talks about this and sometimes people do this, uh, you know, they'll just call in advance and send people over and say, don't talk about money with the person. That is an option, right? That is an option. You can do that. You know, and maybe if the house is an hour away from you or something, yeah, maybe that's the option. Or if you don't have a local assistant in acquisition, ask because, right. you know. But usually yeah. if you get somebody good and you've pre-qualified them and you know that this is a house that would work for them and you know they have enough down, you know, 10000 mm -hmm. or whatever, you can arrange a showing where you go, probably go with them and walk them through. People, I'm telling you, when you do that personal service thing anyway, if they go and see the house themselves versus you walking through the house with them, your closing percentage skyrockets if you walk through that house with them. That's why when you are taking buyer calls or whenever you call your buyers back, if you get somebody in question number three, you ask them what's the most you can put down on your beautiful slash nice new home. Don't say the slash. I was <laughs> well, yeah, once it goes if, through the IVR system, obviously. But, but if but, you no, but somebody's calling them back and asking them these right. questions. So right. and yes, and if the IVR sometimes that's accurate or not, you know uh, what they give you the number there. But when you find out if they have you know twenty thousand down, if they say I, yeah, I probably have about twenty thousand down, that's when you just say, look, here's where the house is. I'm about fifteen minutes away, and I can meet you at the house. I mean. Okay. It's, it's not a real automated response, but I mean that twenty thousand is just burning a hole in their pocket and it should be in right. your bank. Right. So that's right. you know, I like to get out there and see buyers and get that those answers as quick that's, as possible. That's a good point, honey. Good point, Brian. And then right. you got this from Eagle VA, is that right, Debbie? That one no, I did not. Oh. That one came from my partner who was went to list it and saw that there was no equity in it. Oh, that's okay. right. So the uh, real estate referral. Mm -hmm. We that's do a lot of referrals, thing. don't we? That's right. a huge thing. And, guys, if you know, you definitely everybody needs realtors on their dream team. And any realtors that work more with sellers, this is the perfect example of exactly the, the kind of lead that realtors who work with sellers will send you. There's no room for them to make, to make, get paid their commission. So this is the perfect lead for you to get from them. Now, if they're a buyer's agent, what you want them to uh, watch for is people who are not qualified. So they have a qualification process, and essentially it's asking one question, do you have a pre-qualification letter from a bank? You know, and if right. they say, no, I don't, and I probably couldn't get one, then they say, well, good luck, you know, see you later. And so instead of saying no, now you're giving that agent a chance to say yes or give them, you know, I know somebody who might be able to help you out. And then they give your information, and all of a sudden that's, that can result in a lot of great referrals. Yeah, we love lease purchase buyers, and that's really strong when it's a referral. We get a lot of referrals from divorce attorneys and probate attorneys and mortgage brokers, real estate agents, and that's like a third neutral party telling them how awesome you are. So that's okay. One last quick thing, Debbie. What's one quick thing that you really like about uh, the mentoring program? Well, the recently was the last night was when we you called one of my potential um properties uh homeowners oh, the seller and, uh, yeah. yeah yeah and then and then uh um just did the financial talk talked with them about the finances and did a really great job of uh 
of getting me a potential uh, house under contract. Yes, so yes. So that was that. Um, that was a owner finance deal that we uh, negotiated with your seller for you, and you're going to go meet the seller. Um, yeah, so good. Yeah, so that's that's awesome. Now remember, too, one last uh, thought on this, these deals that kind of have narrow margins. So right now you might only make 17000 or something it looks like your spread is. But right. just wait, after 12 months, you're going to raise your purchase price a little bit, maybe just 5000 and you're going to raise your monthly payment a little bit. So, you know, you may not sell this house for five years or ten years. You don't know. And when the right. final, uh, you know, wash comes out, you may make a hundred grand on that house. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's, That's cool. great. Well, we're yeah. very proud of you. Congratulations, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for both of you for your help. I, I really appreciate it. I uh -oh. was dancing all last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's wonderful. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, Ariel, who do we have in the queue? Okay, our next question comes from Nathan. Nathan, please go ahead. Hey, Brian and Lynette. How's it going? Well, hello, Nathan. Nathan from Davenport, Iowa. Uh, I've got a quick question for you. Um, been a really good month. Like, I got four in the contract, two of them sold already. Got two more uh, going really well. Wow. Yeah, it's going good. Between Craigslist and uh, and signs out in the front yard, I just I thank God for uh, Call Fire and uh, Pat Lives because my phone would be ringing all day. I can't handle all that, but I I do uh, put them in a database. Got a buyer's list of at least about three hundred right now. So, wow, that's great. That's fantastic. Good job on the on the Call Fire and the Pat Live getting automated. That's we're the king and queen of automation. So, so what price range? Hiring some people now. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Are these properties all a similar price range, Nathan? Yeah, l let me give you this example. And this is the question I had. It's kind of interesting that they asked uh, earlier something kind of opposite. But this is the question I had. I want to see what you, how you answered. So I bought this property, lease option, $135. I comped it at about $150. Um, I'm selling it for $159.99. Uh, the rent is, uh, or I'm paying the seller $1,100 a month, and the comps are about $1,300 a month for the rent in that area, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a three-year term. So here's the thing. The, a buyer called me the other day, asked, and said, okay, well, uh, it just interesting question. She said, what if um, what if when I get financed, so she said, okay, so if I pay you 10000 down and I end up having to get financed for the other $149,000, what if I get it appraised when I get it financed and the bank says it doesn't appraise for the full one forty nine? And I don't get my full loan, and I was like, "Wow, but you should get a loan for whatever you still owe me." And she was like, "Well, there's a, yeah. there's a couple different ways we can handle that." Okay, so if the appraisal uh, comes in number low, one way to handle that is just be reassuring and say, "Look, it's you know the pricing is usually appraisers understand the deal; they know the purchase price of the property, and generally the appraiser is not going to have an issue with the appraisal price." Normally, right. if they know that the purchase price is going to be this, they'll be able to find the comps to uh, justify the value. They're just going off of three comps. That's the whole way an appraisal works. So, general, guys, right. I worked with appraisers for so long. I used to manage a mortgage office, and I, I read so many appraisals. 
And so just be reassuring, number one, and sometimes they'll say, okay. And guys, half the time when they're asking these objections, they're just looking for a little reassurance. And if you get too deep into it and start teaching them class on it, it makes them more nervous and more worried That's about it. That's a really good point, Brian. Right. So, right. But, yeah, I just say, you know what, we don't really almost never have problems with appraisals because the appraisers know, you know, how to do it. And uh, But beyond that, uh, I, you can say, look, if, if you're really worried, if, she, if that doesn't satisfy her, you can say, look, here's, there's always a couple of other options. Uh, number one is uh, I can actually work out some financing for you on my end where I'll extend to you some kind of a second mortgage or something to cover the difference. Right. So right. That, and that's usually, at that point, they, that's usually reassurance enough that, you know, you'll make it work. And just tell them, right. you know, it's our goal to sell you the house. And whatever it comes down to, I mean, we're going to make it work one way or another. And if we have to give you a little extra financing because an appraisal comes in low, which really will probably never happen, we'll we'll make sure that we take care of you. That's uh, what I was going to say. The other, the last, use... uh, the last fallback position is, I mean, if they're really bound and determined to own it right now, you can always say, well, just uh, trust me, just wait a year or something, and the value will go up, and, and uh, you know, so you can always wait it out, too, in case the property well, value. I answered it correctly, then. I did learn that from you, Brian. I said a little something that you taught, or you and Ron both say, uh, you know, appraisals don't really mean much. And sometimes, depending on who, who the appraiser is working for, is kind of what the result they're going to get. And I told her, I said, the comps that I did on this say that the house is worth about what I'm asking. I said, hey, look, you know, by the time you end up getting bank qualified, it might even be worth more than what right. you're buying it for. So, you right. know, that that was a good enough answer for her. Oh, it was good. Just for me, I wanted to ask you about it because I'd never gotten yeah. asked that before. And I'm like, what would I do if the bank said, no, we're only going to give 130 and I, she owes me 149 I just wouldn't know what to do with that situation. Yeah, and your real fallback position you don't like to have to do this, but we've done it. Yeah, we've had a carry paper before. Yeah, and okay. that's, it's not the worst thing. Actually, it's not so bad. I mean, uh, you know, getting payments and making interest on your money, it's not such a yeah. bad thing. So. That was a really good question, Nathan. Nathan, and great job out there. So what's your – is that your average prices on these properties, around 150 then? Yeah, here in the Midwest. Uh, I bought another one owner financing for 120 and I sold that one for 139 I told you guys about that a couple uh, weeks ago. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, that's the real meat of the market. If you guys, I generally want everybody to have a farm area that's pretty much the middle of their market. Now, the weird thing is sometimes if you're in San Jose where we did a boot camp last year or something, the meat, you know, the average house price is 550 or something. Believe it or not, though, you can be in the middle of the market there and there's people out there who can pay those prices in those areas. But most of us are in an area us here in Arizona as well, where we should always be in the 150 plus. That's where I'd like to see most of you guys. I'm not saying there's not some good money in the 90,000 and 100,000 range. Uh, and if you want to do uglies down in that range, you know, and you like to do rehabs and nothing we say will ever, you know, have you stop doing rehabs, that's fine. And that range is probably okay for an ugly house farm area. But I want you guys to stay 150 to 250, and if you're in a little nicer area, even 250 to 350 is even better. If if that's still you know within the reaches of the middle of your market, and obviously you're getting a lot of activity on in that uh, in that range, you know, and selling these houses fast. Sometimes guys, it's about volume, and if you have a whole, if you got one house that's a 850,000 dollar house, you know you're going to make 100 grand when that thing sells. 
But in the meantime, you just sold five pretty houses and made, you know, 40 on each. So uh, I like the middle of the market. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, great job. Thank you for these questions, Nathan, and keep doing, keep taking action. Yes, you're doing Thank a great job. <laughs> Um, Ariel, uh, how many people do we have in the queue? We only have about uh, 14 minutes left here. We currently have one other caller in the queue. Okay, so we're we're okay, so we're 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 doing good. We're doing good. Okay. 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 So our next question comes from Mike. Mike, please go ahead. Hey, Mike. it's Mike. It's Mike again. It's Mike again. Uh, I came back for seconds, so uh, just a quick question. Hi, Mike. <laughs> um, how do you guys approach a seller when you need a little time? Like, I've always run into this problem, like, okay, I like this house. I'd like to at least purchase it from you, but I'm going to need a little bit of time before I can actually close on this deal. How do you word the conversation there? I mean, if I need, like, how much time do you typically need to find that right person? I mean, because any person I talk to, they're like, hey, if you want to at least, hey, least purchase it or lease it or whatever, or I'm open to that, I need to check, like, tomorrow or next or a week from now. Well, I, I'll tell you right now that if you're doing a deal with owner financing, it's a lot easier to buy time. It's easier to write 90 days on a purchase and sale contract than it is to delay time on a lease purchase because most of these people are, you know, if they're not actively trying to sell the house, I mean, if this is, especially if it's a lease, if it's already a lease, they want to get somebody in there. And no matter, especially if the thing's sitting there vacant, they really want to get someone in there. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, uh, I need 60 days. But here's the thing. You're not going to do that on your normal bread and butter houses because nobody is going to, you know, you're not going to need to because you're going to have plenty of buyers in that middle range. Anything that kind of falls out of that range and is kind of unusual that you think might be a challenge to find a buyer for, that's exactly what you're going to say. You're going to say this house is a little unusual. You know, you're a little bit farther out out of the you know city here or the house is a lot bigger than most of the houses in the area. It's a lot more expensive than most houses in the area. Or, uh, you know, it backs up to power lines. And I think, you know, I hate to say it, but that's going to be kind of a challenge. So what I want to do is I want to, we're going to set this house up for a lease purchase or, you know, owner financing, whatever you're going to tell them. But I'm going to need a little bit of time to make sure we can find the right buyer that works for this. So, and, and you know, essentially I, I hang it on some aspect of that particular house. If it's a regular house, if it's just like one of every other house we buy for, you know, 200000 and, you know, it's just like every other house. I know I'm going to sell that thing in, in the first weekend, so I don't really have to ask them. Now, you guys, you'll figure out that you're going to sell those middle-of-the-ground, middle-of-the-market houses fast, and you won't, you know, and this is the question, do you, you know, do you just, and Ron will ask this of people when they're at the boot camp, um, do you want to tell the seller that you need to, some time to find a buyer first, or do you just want to go ahead and close? Now, there's kind of, uh, you know, if you're buying it on a purchase and sale contract, you, you write, just write in 90 days. You don't really have to say, you know, uh, I'm looking for a buyer, uh, you know, during that time. I think they probably understand that. Then that also plays into the, how you can show this property. 
So if your close is in 90 days, but they're living in there and you can't show it till after they move out, that presents its own challenge there. But mostly if, if, you know, we always just say, you know, something, there's some issue with the house where we're a little concerned we're not going to be able to find the right person. We absolutely want to make sure we find the right person for you and for us. So we're going to need a little bit of time. Okay. And does uh, that, um, do you, when the house is, when you're doing like a for rent or if you're talking to somebody who's for rent, part of the argument I get back from them is that, well, you know, this, this house is going to rent next week. It's just, a, you know, do you either want it or not, you know? And uh, and I kind of run into that a lot. So it's like I either have to yeah. close on it right away uh, or, or move on because they're going to say, I got people calling me. You know, do you? You know, I'll do a lease purchase, but I got three other people who just called me on the on the house. So you know, tell me if you yeah. want. Yeah. Well, but here's That's the great thing. That's when you got to find those motivated sellers, yeah. obviously. But if you've got a property like that, I would get in there and pull the trigger. I would get in there and pull the trigger if the, if the terms were, you know, relatively decent. And he's not lying now. I mean, sometimes people will, you know, embellish a little bit and say, "Oh, I'm the phone's ringing off the hook," you know, and I, even they may not have heard from so many people but even if if that's the case if you think there is a real desire for that property as a rental that's good because that's what you're going to have it as only you're going to be offering it as a you know rent to own so there's going to be that same interest that he's that's uh, coming you know towards him not right now is going to come towards you even more so with the lease purchase option so that's not just a bad thing but yes you do have to pull the trigger and yes you know, when you do pull the trigger, they are turning other people away after that. So that's why, you know, that's why in the beginning for sure, until you get your feet wet and you know what kind of buyers are floating. And actually until you have a little buyers list. Yeah, building your buyers yeah, list. Yeah, that's why. You I have a program say, called the first weekend and how to build your buyers list up. So that's going to really uh, take you to that next level. If you had a buyer waiting ready when you go buy the house from the seller, it's wonderful, and that's usually how we buy our houses. We know we have the buyer lined up before we even uh, write the uh, contract with the seller. Mm-hmm. But Do you ever not not be able to close on a property because you simply couldn't find the right buyer for a more expensive house and have, and have to back out of it? How do you put that together? How do you phrase that? You just say, I couldn't find a buyer. You know, but you've laid the groundwork on that. You That's exactly what I was saying before with laying the foundation, letting them know that this house could be a challenge and that you're going to do everything in your power. And usually when you're running into these houses, they've already had a challenge. You're not telling them anything they don't already know. It's not like you hit this house the first day it's on the market. You probably found it after it's 200 days on the market or even just 90 days on the market. So they know there's some challenge. And so you are, you know, you're not telling them anything they don't already know. And you're just saying, let's be realistic about this. I'm dying to help you, and I really hope we can find the right person. I'm going to get behind this and put money out there and market and everything, and uh, I'm going to do my best. But I can't promise anything. So, but I, you know, obviously I have positive expectations, or I wouldn't even get involved. So I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to find somebody. But I'm going to need a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, if you, if if you have a house that a lot of people are breathing, and that that's the whole question on how hot of an area do you want to be in. If you have, you know, some house where the guy could sell it to six people on the first weekend, you're not going to get the best deal. So, you know, it used to be, you know, depending on what how hot the market was, in 2008, you wanted houses, you wanted an area where it turned as fast as possible. And the days on market, and this is something all of you guys should be really aware of and get used to thinking about, is DOM, 
days on market of houses. So every house you look at, you know, when you look at listings in the MLS, that's one of the first things your eyes should go to because it, it's everything. It means everything about where that seller's mind is right now. If the house is five days on the market versus 50 days on the market versus 100 days on the market, absolutely different mindsets. So when you it, when you know that right away and, you know, you wish that figure, you know, on some of these for sale by owners, you can't tell. And you don't know how desperate they are or how flexible they may be. But when you call them the first time, uh, that's why you got to do that feeling out process. And if they're saying, oh, the house is, you know, under demand and a lot of people are calling me left and right, then you got to decide whether or not you can make a move on the house. What you guys normally want to look at for days on market is some area usually 30 days if the average days on market is 30 days in some you know area some little city or whatever suburb of whatever city you're in uh, that's too fast um you really want something that's like 45 to 60 maybe and you can ask agents really the the only way the best way to track it is just going on the mls because it'll say on every single listing and you can figure that out so um that that's kind of a, a tip for targeting. You don't want it's just like the Goldilocks. I just thought of this actually at the last boot camp. It's like Goldilocks. I can't believe I didn't think of this before. You know, you don't want it to be too hot and you don't want it to be too cold. You want it to be just right. <laughs> that's right. Well, thank great. you for the question, Michael. That was a thank really you. great question. I'm sure everybody enjoyed that answer. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Thank. Thank you. All right, so it looks like um, we're already at the end of this phenomenal Gold Club alumni call. So um, if, you, uh, if you get a chance um, on the Gold Club, make sure to check out the lessons because uh, there's a lot of great information on those uh, Gold Club lessons there. Mm -hmm. And don't right. forget to come to the uh, alumni and the Taking Action Communication Workshop, um, August 23rd, 24, 25, 26, Jacksonville, Florida that Quick Start Alumni Meeting and the Taking Action Communication. That's going to be a life-changing event those four days, so uh, don't forget about that. And, by the way, if you want to check out one of the questions tonight, reminded me of uh, one of the calls we did, honey, that we put up on YouTube. Right. So, actually, uh, we have a lot of calls on the Gold Club, so I'm sure most of you guys, if not all of you, are in the Gold Club. So go back on those, some of those lessons. And the lesson last week, we just filmed, actually Nikki was in the front row at the boot camp, and she filmed uh, Lynette and me doing live calls uh, just in New Jersey like last week, and that's the Gold Club lesson from Friday. So if you want to check that out, it's always nice to see your positive comments on those. Those are always uh, exciting. And on our YouTube channel, there's a whole ton of calls. So you can go on. It's just uh, youtube.com uh, forward slash wolfcouple, wolfcouple with two Fs. So if you want to see some more fun calls and you can really pick up a lot when you just see how we do it. Uh, so that, those are some great resources available to you, and I sure hope we see a whole bunch of you guys at this alumni. We're going to be there the whole four days. Like Lynette said, we're there the whole first two days with our Taking Action and Communication Workshop, and that's just me and Lynette, and uh, really, really uh, looking at any obstacle and helping you guys succeed. That's what we're here for. So that's, and that's why right. we love being on these calls. We're so excited to see you again. So keep taking action, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.